Welcome to Our Soul, a podcast by Kelly Fox and Terry Williams from the Ohio Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice. Welcome to literally my living room. (laughs) Yeah, today for the very first time, Terry and I are recording the podcast physically together. So you get to hear all of that in-person vibes. Isn't it amazing? Like, we've been doing this for about a year, Mm -hmm. and we know many of you are following along with this wonderful Faith and Repro journey, but we definitely started this podcast in the middle of a pandemic. Actually, it's kind of ironic that we're having this today because our first podcast episode came out on June 26, 2020. Shut up! Today is June 29th, 2021. And so this is kind of like our anniversary episode. This is our podcast anniversary. Yes. Welcome everyone to the podcast anniversary. Yes. And we're recording on the 29th of June and this is going to air on the radio i think a couple days before yeah a couple days before the fourth of july which is a holiday (laughs) as we all know um many people refer to the fourth of july as independence day i like to call it interdependence day just to get like you know all of my relatives a little riled and you know asking questions about why 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 um I don't know. I, I, I like the phrase interdependence day because I think about um, our freedom and our ability to govern ourselves and have bodily autonomy. I think of all of that as something that requires interdependence. Like, I don't really have bodily autonomy without respect and the dignity of a community that says these are values we're going to uphold. Yeah. And um, I think, um, and this is something I won't try to take this from you, but this is something that you brought up earlier. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense also to celebrate, um, Independence Day without thinking of the collective struggle and, um, thinking about what you needed freedom from, you know? Um, I also, I think it's, um, it's really important to talk about, uh, Juneteenth and the fact that it's now going to be a federal holiday and how, <laughs> how it, it's, it's just, you can't have Juneteenth as a federal holiday and have all these people, especially white people, who uh, refuse to teach people critical race theory in school, but still get to have Juneteenth, a holiday celebrating the day that the, the slaves finally found out that they were free. Like without having to know that, like the cognitive dissonance does not make sense to me. Wait, 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 wait. So, when you think about Juneteenth being a federal holiday, um, first off, I want to know like what you think about that, what you feel about that. Not like speak for all people who look like you, but like I want to know what you think. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch you a uh, a a humorous. Segway, because this is the first thing I thought of when you were just sharing this. So we have this federal holiday. Like, isn't that what everybody wanted when no. they stood up for uh, racial reckoning over no. the last year? Like, weren't weren't you, wasn't everybody just fighting for like you know a day off and more barbecues <laughs> and I don't know like no I oh, mean like yeah. we, that is not mm. what the priority was. 
things. And mm. the fact that Juneteenth has been made a holiday ahead of um, any voting rights reform, ahead of any uh, actual change in um, the way that, you know, <laughs> I think what, what, at least what I want is to be able to go out in the world and not be afraid that if I'm speeding a little bit, I might die. Mm. Or that if, uh, like, you know, if I get a uh, blast from somebody about something that's going on, that I don't have to worry about it being someone who looks like me. Like, I think that, at least for me, was yes. the goal, and not to have some yes. other holiday. Like, if I, if I wanted to take Juneteenth off, then I would just, like save up my vacation day for it or something like that which again it's dumb that like people don't wouldn't have access to that kind of thing but like anyway that's not the goal the goal is not to have a day off the goal is to be able to live in the world um in a way that is truly free which is what the day is celebrating totally um and the the idea that we are living in a world where juneteenth is a federal holiday but we don't get to talk about what juneteenth is about is just a slap in the face to the work of um, black and brown organizers uh, who have been working so hard to get some semblance of freedom in this country. Amen. And, you know, just just so our listeners know, like my sarcasm sometimes comes across a little like, you know, flat. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not a totally ignorant white man, though I play one on this podcast from time to time, because I think it's important that we remember that there are white people who genuinely think that somehow setting aside a day for Juneteenth without any context for what that means, without any deep education, without any, you know, like cultural reckoning of all of the problems that have led to this discussion, there, there are white people who think that that is the end goal. Like, all right, check that off the list. Everything's great. Now we can go home. Yeah. And it's like, you know, in the last in the last year, you know, of of really intense racial reckoning and uprising activities, and in the last thirty five years of the the uprisings that I can remember, right, like the uprisings in Watts, the uprisings in L.A., um, you know, Chicago, Minneapolis, like you look at all of these cities. Not once do I remember people getting up in the street and listing demands and saying, we want Juneteenth to be a national holiday where nobody talks about race and rich people get to sit on their butts and have a paid holiday. Because, like, let's, let's all face the fact right now that, like, with the financial socioeconomic disparity that is a racist, systemic, ingrained disparity in our culture and in our nation... We have essentially created another holiday for white people where black folk are going to have to be out doing black folk jobs because we have created a system that keeps black folk in certain kind of work, not universally, but definitely a lot more than black folk would like to be, mm-hmm. right? Like, like it's just another holiday that's going to be some stupid blowout sale that people are going to have to work on. Yeah. And, like, that is not yeah. the um, intentions or the meanings behind Juneteenth. And so, to like, I can, I can see it now, the Juneteenth, uh, you know, parties and sales and all of that. 
I think what you were telling me Let about me tell you, some there's, there's a place meme. tried to do one. Oh, there there have been a couple of places that were like, oh, we're gonna do we're gonna do Juneteenth Afro Night at the bar. Absolutely. Oh my lord! And I I saw a meme this last week that kind of summed up as a as a white person who often apologizes for white people behavior because like sometimes white people like we we can be silly like beyond mayonnaise and you know flavorless food right like we're we do some really dumb things but this meme was like i can just see it now white people are about to do juneteenth like they do cinco de mayo show up at the bar in dashikis right like the cultural appropriation Mm -hmm. that happens in this country around all kinds of things like cinco de mayo nobody wants to know about you know real freedom fighters and independence work that was connected to that day they want to oversimplify they want to be reductivist or they just want to ignore it altogether and that's the problem that i see coming down the pipe around juneteenth like and 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 that is critical race theory right critical race theory is don't just assume that what you know is the whole base of the reality of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Like critical race theory is not, we're gonna teach you that white people are bad. Critical race theory is we're gonna teach you that white people are still benefiting from the systems their racist ancestors set up, even if they don't know it. Yeah. And that people benefiting from systemic inequality, even if they don't know it, means they are responsible. They're responsible for learning, they're responsible for changing, and they're responsible for not trying to stand in the way of progress, right? Yeah. Uh, best, best, like, simple explanation of critical race theory I heard. A friend of mine was, you know, talking to her, her daughter, and she found this somewhere on the internet. I don't know. If you who are listening to this know where um, the source is, please let us know, and we'll, like, cite it in the comments um, and the, the stream for the video. Or the the audio the video, we're we're not on video. We are not Lord on knows, video. Uh, we are on audio. However, it's been a long day, folks. But uh, my friend is talking to her child, who is very young, and she said, "Well, honey, it's like it's like this. Imagine somebody bought a hotel, okay, and they they bought this hotel from another person who built the hotel, and the person who built the hotel didn't like people in wheelchairs." Didn't want them in the hotel, didn't want them around the hotel, just didn't like people in wheelchairs. So when the person who built the hotel built their hotel, they didn't have any ramps. They had lots of stairs. They had very sharp corners. And it was really hard for anybody in a wheelchair to get into that hotel or get around in that hotel or do anything in that hotel. Mm -hmm. And now that that person who built the hotel has retired they've they've you know stopped working they sold that hotel to this other person the person who bought the hotel doesn't dislike people in wheelchairs actually they they think that everybody ought to come to their hotel because they want you know all this business at their hotel the problem is regardless of the feelings of the new owner the physical structure of the hotel still prevents people in wheelchairs from being able to access all of the benefits of that hotel. Mm -hmm. That's critical race theory when it comes to race because we have created a society that is hostile to people of color and particularly black people. Mm -hmm. 
And we have not fixed the systemic problems. We've not fixed the structural issues with the hotel that is America. Mm-hmm. That is the United States of America. You see, like, I, e- even in that moment, like, I'm reducing the whole of, of the American, you know, continent to one nation, right? Yeah. Like, that, that racism just drips in. Even though I try, even though I make an effort as a white person, I just make America the United States. Like, I, I just reduce it all. But, like, we have created a system in the United States of America that disenfranchises people of color at every turn mm-hmm. that opposes and oppresses their right to exist to live mm-hmm. and now we're gonna slap a holiday on it and call it good like yeah. hotels got new management never mind you're not gonna be able to like walk down the street with a bag of skittles or like you know survive a traffic stop or yeah. i don't know get a person to get off your neck when you cannot breathe yeah Whew. but and and also this reminds me of uh affirmative action and how Mm. some people see that as a solution to i don't know recovering from racism but like i don't know i kind of see that as like putting uh to use this same metaphor putting like a temporary ramp on the front door but not on literally all right now and like that that doesn't solve the problem it may help more people get in it may help people become um you know a part of the the system that like makes them get better jobs and like I I'm thinking about I think it I think it was oh gosh some famous black woman I think Michelle Obama uh, talked about how even she like had um, her pain in childbirth like disregarded because mm. she was a black woman and like just because you're a part of the system and you can benefit from the system in some ways because maybe affirmative action of because of other benefits as like a result of trying to fix racism in quotes um that that doesn't mean that uh it like essentially instead of the system is being getting better you're just getting better at navigating the system Mm. without any help it's just like maybe i don't know maybe a person on a wheelchair gets really good at going around those sharp corners you're getting stronger at swimming upstream or gets gets a good um you know uh co-conspirator to help them get up the stairs or whatever it is like it doesn't just because you have help and you can navigate the difficult terrain like the terrain does not have to be difficult and the fact that not only not only is the terrain difficult and we're unwilling to do the major um, construction that needs to be done, but also the fact that we don't even talk about the fact that the terrain is difficult All or right talk now. about the fact that like there is an unfair disadvantage to people who are able-bodied in this situation. Um, it, it's just, and then, and then you just say like, oh, it's like you have like a, a conference for people in wheelchairs at a hotel that is made for people who are not in wheelchairs. 100%. Like, it does not, it, it just doesn't make sense. And that's right. not what you asked for. And it's not helping. It's just a slap in the face. So, so two things, because I love metaphors. And I, I think, I think metaphors are how we talk about things that are too difficult to, to wrap our heads around in one fell swoop. So, like, two things on this metaphor. First off, like, affirmative action as the ramp at the back door. I think that's a great image because affirmative action is all about centering white guilt Mm -hmm. to avoid 
centering black experience and Latinx experience and the experience of, of anybody who has had, you know, deep, deep systemic disadvantage. And when I think about the ramp at the back, it's it's not even like setting up a good ramp at the back door of, it's of the like hotel. A, a it's a it's a ramp that is way too steep. It is rickety. It doesn't have any handrails on it, and it doesn't have any like texture to grip the wheels. So it's like we're going to put this ramp up here that looks like it kind of fixes something for you, but it ultimately is a very dangerous reality because how many people who have benefited from affirmative action in terms of workplace hiring or in terms of you know admissions, college admissions, how many of those individuals have then constantly been berated and yeah. looked down upon and scorned by other folk who were mad because they said, well, you're only here because of affirmative action. No, yeah. no, no, no. But it creates a system because that system centers white guilt, yeah. right? The, the the second thing, you know, in this metaphor that I, I, I really enjoy is the fact that, like, just because we have this system doesn't mean we have to keep this system. Yeah. And it's not even that we, as a nation, are continuing to build hotels that are, um, you know, unusable for people in wheelchairs. We are literally maintaining, sustaining, and repairing the broken, harmed-filled systems that are preventing people from accessing the, the benefits of society. And I, I'm reminded of the like church leadership phrase that we, we hear in, um, in seminary all the time is, no system is broken. Every system is perfectly arranged to get the results yep. that it is getting. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, white people keep this system because it benefits white people. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, that's the moral, spiritual ill here. And, and I think... And, and like, it, to, to be completely honest, like, it, it makes sense. Like, if you're, not, if you're not thinking about it and you're not engaging in discussion that's, like, driving you to change... Like, it makes sense that you would cho choose the thing with the least yes. amount of resistance. Like, it's it's literally, like, a science thing. You, mm -hmm. Like, the path of least resistance is the one that gets chosen. And so it makes sense that, like, if you're not, like, if that new management, even though they don't have anything against people with wheelchairs, or in wheelchairs, um, they, if they are not, like, critically thinking about and, like, purposefully trying to incorporate things that would make things more accessible then like they're gonna keep doing keeping things the way they are because that's much cheaper right and this this kind of reminds me there are two things that this reminds me of um first thing thinking about um on my way here i was listening to a podcast called or um called the daily uh, by the new york times and they were talking about the uh building collapse that happened um, it's the Champlain Tower in Miami, um, or Surfside? Surfside, Surfside. but and, Miami Dade County. Yeah, um, and uh, it just it made me think about like how even though they knew that there were problems, it, like years in advance, like those problems were big and cost millions of dollars, and so like they didn't they didn't fix it right away. And um, I, when thinking about this hotel metaphor, that's kind of what came up for me is thinking oh. about oh how, my. and then, and then um, when I was listening to that podcast, they talked about how they tried to put the burden of fixing 
the system on the people or fixing the sorry mixing metaphors <laughs> mixing the um fixing the building on the tenants of the building like having yeah. them individually pay to help make the larger repairs for the building and um that kind of makes me think about the other thing that i was thinking about which um if people have seen bo burnham's uh new comedy special inside it is so good um would recommend um <laughs> not gonna repeat any of the specific lyrics on this podcast but if that's what you're into uh definitely would recommend but um there there's one song called how the world works um that mm. He, like uh, there is a sock puppet that explains how the world works and how the world is built with exploitation and capitalism and blood and stealing things from the natives and all of this stuff and um, he or and and then the sock puppet gets shut up by this white guy um, who says like uh, oh I'm just trying to be a better person and he's like well stop putting the burden of learning on me. Mm. And then, um, anyway, you, you need to listen to the song. It's a good song. But um, this, this like, kind of uh, when white people ask people of color, how do I do better? And they say, mm. like, read a book or something. Like, don't put that on me. All of a sudden it becomes like, well, you wouldn't teach me how to be better. Well, you have systemically disadvantaged me for generations. Like... Maybe you should just learn to do that by yourself and not put that on me. And then in the end, like, we're the, the people of color, the marginalized people are the ones that get hurt. Because instead of taking a step forward, you just get yelled at for not caring and catering and essentially doing the same work that is the whole issue in the first place um, for white people again. And, you know, a, a dear friend of mine in um, the United Church of Christ, um, Dr. Cynthia Tyson, um, said to me at one point when we were having a similar discussion about because she's, she's a very, very well-educated uh, professional educator, and people come to her on a regular basis and ask her for resources. And uh, Dr. Tyson is always happy to provide resources for people, but she also encourages people, obviously, you know, you need to seek these things out. And I, I asked her, I said, well, you know, how, how does it feel when everybody expects you to educate them? And she said, you know, it's exhausting to have fought so hard to survive and then be given an academic assignment to teach people. Mm-hmm. And one because, thing you're not being paid for. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's that process. And w- when I think about part of the struggle, when when we we have this conversation about race, we talk about faith and repro issues on this podcast a lot. And the reality is, faith and repro are so at the heart of the reality of racism in this country that people who don't know that already are blown away when they step into just just this morass, this like hole of, uh, you know, how interconnected these issues are. When you think about the racism in this society that has commodified black bodies, has literally created chattel products out of black people yep. and black birth mm-hmm. and black children, you know, you, you take a look at Killing the Black Body by Dorothy Roberts, where she lays out the very clear case for how the anti-abortion movement is rooted 
rooted in chattel slavery because the master desires more and therefore through coercion, through forced birth, through breeding and mating and rape if necessary, creates additional product for that owner. That is the root of anti-abortion work. When somebody comes up to you and begins that, like, I, I hate the phrase abortion abolitionist because they, they intentionally mix those, those words and those metaphors in that system to try to pretend like they're doing something other than literally stealing people's bodily autonomy and forcing them into a, a slavery of a different kind. Um, w when they do that, they are master mentality. They are absolute, like, I want to enslave you for the purpose of benefiting me economically. And in this country, that's what we continue to do. Every single politician at the Ohio General Assembly who voted for the abortion restrictions that are in the current budget that's getting passed as we speak, that might be, I don't know, signed by Governor DeWine already. I haven't turned on the news yet. But like every politician that voted for that voted for restrictions that are literally enacting this systemic racism, building the hotel in such a way, continuing to maintain the hotel in such a way that it disadvantages black mothers, it disadvantages black children, it disadvantages black communities, it disadvantages black thriving. It prevents black thriving. Mm -hmm. Black death is chosen instead of black thriving by the people who should know better. And then, like, to just tie this back to Independence Day and Interdependence Day, um, I just think it's, and, and this idea of how stupid Juneteenth is without critical race theory, um, I just think to, to see what we have now as independence, as freedom, as, like, the ideal, that where you can just slap a holiday on there and be good, is a slap in the face to everyone who continues to have to, you know, work on Juneteenth or can just continues to have to worry about uh, being killed by the police or like having your pain be misunderstood and having that history without any kind of conversation about it. Like, it, it's like if you, if you're in a relationship with someone and you know that they did something terrible to you, they literally like, ruined everything you have a history of being thoroughly harmed by a person and you have no conversation about it and you're expected to move on as if nothing happened mm. like it's obviously stupid like you don't do that and so the fact that in this country we have independence day as if that's an independence for everyone or we make uh juneteenth a federal holiday as if it's like actually as if it actually feels like black people have been freed in this country and on top of that we continue to like say that critical race theory isn't isn't a thing that we should have in our schools it's just a slap in the face and so i will be having <laughs> with my friends and all countries matter um uh cookout like i did last year all countries matter and um, I, I will love not it. be love <laughs> it. that love it. because it doesn't feel like Independence Day. And I will celebrate Juneteenth, but I'm not going to be celebrating it in the capitalistic, corporate-funded way 
um, that I feel like is probably going to be coming up soon. Amen. Because at the end of the day, our country was founded on protest. Mm -hmm. And any attempt to pretend that protest is unpatriotic mm -hmm. just needs a total rewrite. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and to try to say that like any attempts to continue to fight for freedom or to continue to um, protest against a system that treats people unjustly is also a slap in the face to what Independence Day is supposed to stand for in the first place. Amen, amen, amen. Well, uh, that's all we have for this podcast. So uh, we will be back in a couple weeks with a new podcast. And, you know, in a couple months, maybe we'll be in person again doing a podcast. Ooh, so you'll have a little this, teaser there, a little teaser. This to look forward to. Remember, you can always check out previous editions of Our Soul on our website at ohiorcrc.org forward slash podcast. And while you're there, feel free to look around at all the other super cool content we have to offer to help you faithfully speak out for abortion access and reproductive freedom all across Ohio.